0: Welcome to the Red Shirts Fantasy Football Podcast with your hosts, Matthew Betts and Matt Okada.
1: And welcome into another episode of the Red Shirts Fantasy Football Podcast. This is one of your co-hosts for the evening, Matthew Betts. Uh, joined, as always, by Matt Okada, and it is time to move on from week two, get into week three. Okada, how are you doing tonight, dude?
0: Uh, I'm doing pretty good, bets. I mean, it's not quite night for me yet, so it's only 2.43 here. We live on <laughs> very different sides of this country. That's right. I always forget that. <laughs> but other than that, other than that, uh, doing great. My team looks like the best in the NFL, even though half of my fantasy teams aren't doing great. I can take solace in the fact that... We're looking at a repeat of the 2007 Patriots at this point, although hopefully we don't follow that all the way through to the end, because... Well, I guess that's fine, because there's no Eli Manning anymore. Ooh, Ooh news spoiler! <laughs> um,
1: I don't want to be the one to tell you this, Okada, but I think you might have just jinxed yourself. mm You definitely did. Uh, I was on that, Listen, that train saying the Patriots are probably going to win the Super Bowl after what I've seen through two weeks, but you just jinxed yourself, and I'm very happy about that. Uh, so hopefully oh, that is boy. not the case, but... Anyway, uh, let's move away from Okada's fandom of the Patriots and into fantasy football content because that's what you guys all came here for, right? Um, Okada, last week we had kind of a, a question to start the show and I caught you off guard. You did. I actually wrote it on the sheet. You didn't look at it. So that's not my fault. Right. This time I left a, a little bit true. of a spoiler. Uh, out there so I just put on the doc Betts's big question Mm. and the question I have and I put this out on Twitter today got about 550 responses I asked and I want to know what your answer is Okada I said if you have to have one of the backup quarterbacks for uh, the rest of the season meaning Teddy Bridgewater Gardner Minshew Mason Rudolph or Daniel Jones who like you said uh, with the teaser is now the starter who would you rather have and why
0: well, bets I voted on this poll, and for me, the answer was quite clear, and it's Mason Rudolph. Um, well, when I say quite clear, I, I mean, of all these terrible flip-a-coin-are-they-going-to-be-good choices that you gave us, he's the one that I feel like I don't have to rely on him so much because I believe that his weaponry... And his offense should be good enough. Now, the Steelers' offense, to be fair, has not looked great through two weeks. But the first week was against the best team in football. And the second week was half a Ben. And then a suddenly, oh my gosh, I didn't know I was supposed to play Mason Rudolph, who actually happened to look quite good. He did, yeah. Uh, at least on yeah on film, he, he was looking pretty solid. So that helps. But then the, the real key is he's got Juju Smith-Schuster. He's got a great offensive line. He's got a... Coach who can at least has at least coached a good offense in the past, although I honestly think Mike Tomlin's very bad at coaching. Um, and the other guys are for the most part in horrid situations where they have few or none of those things I just mentioned. Daniel Jones, almost no weapons, certainly no receivers. Uh, Minshew, it's rough out there. And and they want to run the ball more than they want to pass it, anyways. Um, and Teddy B, we don't even know if he's a starter because Sean Payton is being all confusing. So for for me, it's an easy smash uh, on Rudolph. However, that does not mean I want to start him necessarily. for well, Kind fantasy. of
1: start of the week, Mason Rudolph, week three. <laughs> <laughs> no, you were you were in agreement with the masses. Forty one percent for Mason Rudolph, twenty nine percent for Daniel Jones. 15% for Teddy Bridgewater and 15% for Gardner Minshew. So uh, you are in agreement with the majority of people, and I would agree with that as well. I think Mason Rudolph is going to surprise some people um, this season with you know starting role for the Steelers. You mentioned the weapons that are there in place, pass-heavy attack. Um, so I agree with you. I, th- I think he's going to be uh, serviceable, especially in a Superflex or 2QB league. I was kind of surprised, honestly, that Teddy Bridgewater didn't get more love in that poll because I feel like his name carries more value than I think he actually does but like you were saying it's so interesting to see what happens there without Drew Brees for a short period of time Um, obviously with the the thumb injury which I talked about on the recap uh, injury recap episode last time but uh, let's go into that before we get into the other news what are your thoughts on that situation I mean Teddy Bridgewater presumably is the starter but today like you were saying Sean Payton says not so fast you're assuming he's the starter. So is he hinting at Taysom Hill actually playing as the starting quarterback, or is he just going to be the old Taysom Hill that just suddenly randomly appears in the game and then runs a route or steals a, a pass from Drew Brees like he used to do? What what do you see happening here in New Orleans?
0: Um, honestly, I think it might be somewhere in between those two, at least for the, the start um, or for the beginning of this experiment. I don't expect at all that Taysom Hill is going to come out there and be the legitimate QB starter in the sense that he's going to be under center and Teddy's going to be on the sideline and it's going to be like that until something changes. But I also don't expect that he's going to be as limited to the gadgetry that he was when Drew Brees was there. Which, I mean, that seems like almost a given considering it was Drew Brees. But he was getting used quite a lot even when Drew Brees was there. Now you've got a I don't even know what to call Teddy Bridgewater. He's like not a veteran because he's missed so much time. He's, I don't even, he's sort of a anomaly. He's he's the highest paid backup. He was a, you know, high, highly touted prospect a long time ago. And then he had that horrible injury. He didn't look good this past week. In fact, not even as good as Rudolph, which is the main reason I picked Rudolph over him because besides the starter situation, because he's he does have the weapons and the O-line. But, we ju- I didn't see it from him and we don't know what's going on with Hill so that makes it tougher my my best guess bets that was fun to say <laughs> is that Teddy Bridgewater will get the majority of the pass attempts but Taysom Hill will get worked in um something like maybe a quarter of snaps uh from the QB position or at least on the field and will get more run as a passer or on pass option type plays than he did with breeze there.
1: Yeah, I think that's probably right. I I tend to agree with you. More than he should be. (laughs) I'll say that. It just takes away from the offense. And before we move on, because we do have to get into, you know, the news, injuries, and obviously our preview of the week, um what are you doing with this offense? I mean, Alvin Kamara obviously was a top four pick. Michael Thomas not far behind at the back of the first or early second in drafts. Obviously this is it's not an upgrade. Uh, is this a lateral move, not that big of a deal for these two? And if so, are you going out and trading for them? And if it's not a lateral move and this is a, a downgrade, are you worried about those two big-time fantasy players?
0: Tough question for sure. I It's definitely not lateral, and like you said, it's obviously not an upgrade. I think it's probably less of a downgrade than the majority of people will, would react to, just because what we've seen from Drew Brees over the last couple of years has been very... You know, effective and accurate, but pretty much short passes, quick throws, not not doing really necessarily anything crazy. Not Patrick Mahomesing out there, and Teddy Bridgewater, if he gets the majority of the throws, can probably maintain most of that to to at least a an okay degree to sustain Michael Thomas and to sustain the offense enough that Alvin Kamara is okay. So, I think probably both take a hit. I think it's not enough to move either out of uh, RB1 or wide receiver 1 territory. I think they both still hover in that territory. Kamara, obviously, much higher. Thomas, maybe at the back end of the wide receiver 1 range now, but still up there. And if the owners in your leagues don't react that way and they say, Oh my goodness, we're going from Hall of Famer to, I don't even know who this guy is, Mr. Two Two Gloves, as they call him. Old Teddy Two Gloves. (laughs) Teddy Two Gloves. Um, Then I might might see what the price would be to acquire them, yes. I like it. Yeah, I just want to spin it back to injury real quick.
1: This surgery for Drew Brees is one that we can predict pretty well, meaning once he gets back out there, he's going to be fine. So if you started 2-0 this season, I would love to go out and see what the the price is to get Alvin Kamara or Michael Thomas or both on your roster because – in six to eight weeks and again a lot changes in that time but in that time period when Drew Brees comes back he's going to be absolutely fine so uh, you could sneakily get these guys at a, a discount now and reap the benefits later if you're feeling like you're a playoff contender so uh, I just want to spin that back to that direction there Uh, good conversation though with that Saints offense uh, before we get into the news I uh, just want to remind everyone some new articles are up on the site Josh Robbins coming out with a dynasty stock market article Great read on who's stock up, who's stock's down, who to trade for, who to trade away. And then Steven Pintado looking at some QB streamers for the week. If you're struggling, maybe you lost Drew Brees, maybe you lost Ben Roethlisberger, go check out that article. It's going to help you out a lot. Find us on social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. All of those accounts are redshirtsffpod. Um, And obviously, head on over to redshirtsfantasyfootball.com. we got new articles on the site every single day. All right, Okada, let's get over into the news.
0: That's I got next. great news, guys. Oh, news? Hey. All, First
1: All right, so we teased it at the top of the show. Daniel Jones officially named the week three starter for the Giants, Eli Manning, going to the bench. And I don't want to say finally going to the bench, but it was tough to watch for a while. So I, I think it's the right move for the Giants personally. Um, You have to see what you have in this kid who you spent a top 10 draft pick on in the draft. Whether or not that was the right decision remains to be seen. But uh, let's talk about the fantasy implications here. I'll go first, Okada, and then I'll kick it over to you. I think it's an upgrade. Uh, Honestly, I I do. Um, I don't know that the preseason is what we can rely on, but it honestly couldn't have gotten worse with Eli there as a starter. Uh, The offense not really pushing the ball downfield. I think Jones can at least do that at this stage. You know, as a rookie, uh, the arm strength is there. He can do it. The other thing is, and we're going to chat about it here in a minute, Golden Tate comes back soon. Obviously, you still have Evan Ingram. You have Sterling Shepard, who should come back from concussion this week. So I think it's an upgrade for the offense in general, and I love what that does for Saquon Barkley. Uh, What are your thoughts there, Okada, on the Giants' uh, fantasy pieces?
0: Um... I don't know if I'm ready yet to say it's an upgrade, but what I will say is I don't think it can be a downgrade and there is definitely potential for an upgrade. So if I had to bet on down versus up, I would bet on up. I don't, Eli was awful. He was like a bottom 10, maybe bottom five QB in every possible way (laughs) uh, this season and has been for a while, honestly. And Daniel Jones, I don't believe that we're going to see what we saw from the preseason at all whatsoever. But I think he's going to be a little bit more dynamic than Eli was. Maybe he can open up the field a little bit with a stronger arm and the ability to move more than two feet without falling on his face. Um, (laughs) Stuck in the mud, Eli Manning, in the the pocket. Yeah, so none of that can hurt. Um, I think at worst it's pretty much lateral, but there is the opportunity that Daniel Jones actually is a large percentage of what we did see in the preseason, and is an upgrade for everyone. Having said that, there's not really many fantasy options in New York that I'm interested in enough for this upgrade to matter. I loved Devin Ingram before, and I still do. I loved Saquon before, and I still do. And I don't really want to touch anyone else. So I don't know how impactful it will be. I will say I'd be curious... To stream Daniel Jones in the right matchups depending on what we see throughout the next couple weeks. And this week he starts against the Buccaneers, which is a good matchup. So if you're desperate in a 2QB league, ah, I might consider it. But that's that's about as close as I'll get.
1: Fair enough. So we, we're talking about the Giants. We might as well get over into this uh, next piece. Not a re- Not really news. I just put it on here as a friendly reminder. Uh, stay ahead of your league mates. Golden Tate coming back from a four-game suspension. Uh, So obviously, if you wait till next week, he's going to be more of a hot name on the waiver wire. Interesting ad, in my opinion. And then Chris Herndon, also coming back from suspension. Uh, You can stay a week ahead. He won't play this week. Uh, He won't play next week, but he will be able to come back following that. Uh, The team is targeting week five for Sam Darnold coming back from mono. Do you have interest in Chris Herndon knowing that his timeline correlates with the return of Sam Darnold?
0: Um, yeah, I think I do. I have interest, actually, in both of these guys. I just said I don't really want any other pieces of the Giants' offense, but that's because Golden Tate's not currently there. Once he gets back, he's going to be, I think, the, the, the third best option, fantasy-wise, in that offense. So I'd be interested in the speculative ad. And then Herndon, listen, the tight end landscape is ugly and bare. And... We saw some good production from Chris Herndon towards the end of last year with Darnold. There's no reason not to take a shot if you've got the the spots on your bench to hold him for the next couple weeks. Or if you can, wait till next week, then get him then and only hold him for one week. So if you're streaming tight ends right now, he'd definitely be a guy I pick up. Find a guy you can stream for the next couple weeks and get him and then you'll be able to stream him when he comes back and hopefully find someone that you can lock into that spot and forget the streaming for the rest of the year. I would 100% agree. All right, last piece of news,
1: Okada. Carry-on Johnson owners rejoice. Mm. CJ Anderson cut by the Lions. They sign Paul Perkins, which is the most uninspiring signing, I think, in NFL history. (laughs) (laughs) There for the Lions running back situation. Um, Obviously, no one was relying on CJ Anderson, but Everyone owns, you know, Carryon Johnson in every single league. There's a Carrion Johnson owner. So let's chat about the backfield. I'll give you my thoughts real quick. Um, I don't know that this changes Carrion Johnson's value a ton in the passing game because they still have another running back there who they like and they give him a decent amount of work in the passing game. But I think this really helps the offense in general keep moving because C.J. Anderson was getting far too much work for what he should have gotten. Carry on Johnson, I mean, you you watch him on the field. Did you see that spin move uh, yes. this past Sunday? The talent is Dirty. oozing with this guy. They just need to give him the ball and give him more work. So uh, I don't know that it changes a lot from his value from passing uh, and pass-catching, but I think this helps give him a little bit more work, give him a few more touches, keeps the drives moving, and gets them down closer to the goal line, where before you were saying, okay, maybe Anderson comes in and takes a few goal line touches I think those are now carry on Johnson's, and I love what this does for his value. Uh, what are your thoughts there?
0: Yeah, Anderson got uh, 16 carries over the first two games. That's eight a game? That's substantial. That's 16 too many. And I That is 16 too many, and I don't think that eight a game is going to go over to Paul Perkins or to J.D. McKissick, who's the other back there. Um so, I think at least, I don't know, maybe half of those per game slide over to carry-on. And that's that's a pretty big deal. That's four extra carries a game. Like you said, if one or two of those comes within the 5 or 10-yard line, that might be the difference between a touchdown in that game or one that would have been vultured by CJ. So, it's definitely a win for carry-on owners. Um, hopefully, this offense can continue to improve because that would be the biggest win for carry-on owners. But... I, I am definitely excited for him moving forward. This is freedom. The shackles are removed. Yeah. And the, the
1: other running back there is uh is Ty Johnson. He's also a, a pass catching mm-hmm. back. So those are the the four now there on the depth chart. Uh that does it for our news Okada. Let's get over into the injuries. Doctor, doctor give me the news I got a bad case of love in you.
0: All right. We've got a We've got a few names that have been on here for a, a little while, but so let's start with those and get some quick updates. First, we got oh my goodness gracious, we got Cam Newton reaggravation of this foot issue. Whoa. Besides the fact that he's just been straight trash, what are what is your outlook for Newton on the foot and him in general? Really, for fantasy.
1: Well, this is something we talked about. You know, looking at these injuries we have an advantage over other analysts being able to have my injury perspective. And I was telling people, you know, for the first few weeks, his mobility is not going to be the same. And cam has not left the pocket at all. And my gosh, it has looked terrible and credit to you. And I tweeted this out on Thursday night. His throwing motion is off. I don't know what it is. He does not look good. Missing wide open receivers. Mm -hmm. Curtis Samuel could have gone for 200 yards on Thursday night. If it wasn't for cams, terrible passing, but in regards to his health and his foot, uh, you know the reaggravation basically tells us that his recovery timeline is now pushed back. I don't know that Cam ever is a rushing quarterback again for this season. I think he's going to linger with this, you know, most of the of the season, off and on. He was in a boot today, so despite what you might read, he's not playing on Sunday. And if he is, do not put him in your lineup. Um, this is a big red flag for me. I'm concerned about Cam Newton moving forward.
0: Yeah, and. I think that this issue with his lack of rushing that you just highlighted is a bigger one than people even realize. Because except for that one year when he won MVP, he has never been productive as a passer straight up. His fantasy value has come from being the best rushing quarterback in the league for six, seven, eight years now. Um, But beyond the fact that you remove his rushing production, defenses also now remove that from their, you know, to-do list of things to to look out for. If they know Cam is staying in the pocket, it makes it a lot easier to defend that offense. And the little production that he did have as a passer was always boosted by that reality, by the fact that he threatened defenses in a way that almost no other quarterback in the league could. And so when you take that away, not only do you remove the rushing fantasy production, but you also remove a a good chunk of his passing efficiency because he's not going to be able to eat up defenses like he could when that was a threat. So it's just two huge steps down for Cam, and I don't know, man. he He might be outside my QB2 range at this point for rest of season. Certainly very far down in that range, way out of QB1 range. I'm really not interested in owning him at this point if i can yeah, help if,
1: it if you started Owen and two in fantasy to this point and you have cam newton and you're relying on him you need to move on you have to drop him and start getting some wins now because it could be too late if you keep waiting around
0: all right well we got another guy who's been dealing with a bit of a nagging problem but hopefully might be coming back a little sooner and with a little more promising cam that's aj green so what's our update on aj green
1: uh the exact opposite <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, I was so excited. So excited.
1: Uh, news came out uh, yesterday, on Tuesday, that uh, A.J. Green was basically thinking that his timeline of six to eight weeks, which was originally projected, uh, was a little bit too optimistic. So, you know, we were kind of talking about it all off season through draft season, basically saying, I'm worried about A.J. Green because of the the toe on the other foot. Now this ankle issue, he had surgery at the end of July, I mean when you have a high ankle sprain that requires a surgery to the joint, it can tell us a few things. One is there could be some cartilage injury going on in there. And if that's the case, those take a long time to heal. And they also, you know, provide um, the athlete a lot of pain. So I would say for AJ Green, I was hopeful that maybe he'd be back by the end of September. I think now you're looking at more like mid-October, maybe late October before he's really back on the field. So yeah, this is just unfortunate if you got You know, AJ Green at a perceived value, um, it may not be as good of a value as you once thought.
0: Well, Bets, I pretended to be sad about AJ Green, but really I have Tyler Boyd just about everywhere. And so I'm not going to be too upset because Boyd has done exceedingly well without Green so far. And apparently, so has John Ross. I don't, the number change for John Ross fixed everything for him because he has been dominating. Um, Just as a quick aside before we move on. Do you expect John Ross to continue to be this good, or do you think this has been a fluky two weeks?
1: Man, that's so tough to answer because everything in my in my heart wants to say that this is not real because of how bad he's been so far, but the defense is horrendous. There's not a lot to compete with as far as targets. I don't know that this happens where it's an explosion every week, but yeah, I think he provides like wide receiver three or flex value all season, so I would say I buy it. I think it's, it's here to stick around.
0: All right. I don't think I can disagree at this point. All right. Let's move over to a rookie running back. Josh Jacobs had a great start to the season. Now, what do we got going on?
1: Yeah. Josh Jacobs, you know, you could see him. He gave up a lot of work on Sunday to uh, the backups, Jalen Richard and DeAndre Washington. Now we know why. This came out after the injury recap uh, podcast I did. So I apologize. I missed this. Josh Jacobs dealing with a groin strain now. Um, unclear kind of how severe it is or what really is going to go on here. But I would say, you know, we know with muscle injuries, usually in the first week, these guys are not 100%. The re-injury risk is quite high. So hopefully Jacobs sits this week. That way they have him around for the rest of the year. Um, That would be my hope for Jacobs in terms of his season-long outlook.
0: All right. Tyrell Williams bets. Apparently he's trying to do the never-recommended thing of pointing with your hip. (laughs) What, are we, what do we got going on with Tyrell over in Oakland? Yeah, don't point with your hip. Uh, he is dealing so with a
1: hip pointer, which is the same injury that Keenan Allen had uh, last year. I remember watching that injury happen where he went up in the end zone, came down, basically just landed on the outside of his hip. And essentially that's what's going on with Tyrell Williams. It's a direct contusion or a bruise to the muscles and the tendons that attach onto your pelvis. It's really not a huge deal in terms of re-injury risk or anything like that. But it is extremely painful to try to play through. So I think Tyrell Williams is going to be out there at much less than 100% this week. I think he'll play through it. The The training staff will get him ready to at least be able to be out there. But whenever you're on one leg to try to go up and jump or push off and change direction, the muscles that are invo- involved here are going to get stressed a lot. So Tyrell Williams is going to be out there in pain this week on Sunday.
0: All right. Tyrell was a guy you loved coming into this season. James Conner was a guy that I loved coming into this season. Suffered an injury in week two, has had a pretty bad start to the season. Is this going to be a problem moving forward? Uh, not necessarily.
1: Uh, there was actually just a video coming out today of Connor at practice. He's doing some cutting, some lateral movements. He he got in a limited session doing individual drills. So uh, Connor hyperextended his knee, pretty mild uh, on Sunday. It's his left knee, but as of right now, things are trending in the right direction. He seems confident that he'll be ready to go for week three. Just monitor those practice reports and make sure that he is getting in work every day of the week, Thursday and Friday.
0: Okay, sounds good. Couple quick hitters on quarterbacks, and then we got one piece of breaking injury news: Tom Brady and Jameis Winston both apparently some lower body issues in practice. I believe. Do we have any concern for either of
1: these guys? No, not really. Tom Brady listed with a uh, a calf injury, listed as questionable. Or excuse me, as limited today in practice. Not questionable yet. <laughs> um, oh. I think he'll play this Sunday without concern. James, Jameis Winston—that is a, a situation that I have zero concern about. Popped up on the injury report with a foot injury, but you know he practiced in full, so it's not like they're really limiting his reps or anything like that. So as of now, no concern. But keep monitoring those practice reports.
0: And finally, David and Joku—two bad pieces of news or two issues, apparently that are just now being reported as we're talking on Wednesday afternoon slash night if you live on the East Coast. Uh, what's the outlook for Njoku, bets?
1: Yeah, Njoku suffered a concussion on Monday Night Football, a pretty nasty hit, but in doing so broke his fall with his hand and wrist. And this just wow. got tweeted out by Ian Rappaport saying that David Njoku suffered a wrist injury in Monday Night Football that could require surgery. Uh, so he's still getting a second opinion to figure out if surgery is necessary, and if so, how long he would be out. But obviously, uh, that's big-time news. Combining that with concussion, there's no way Njoku is playing in Week 3. So if you are relying on him for this week alone, you need to find a backup plan.
0: Uh, even more drastic question for you, Betts. Do you think at this point David Njoku is droppable? <sighs> Man, that's so tough
1: because the tight end landscape is is horrendous. I would, it is. I would pick up uh, Chris Herndon. And and try to play him over Njoku in the future, but I mean it depends on what you're picking up because oh it's so ugly out there. I certainly wouldn't be confident with Njoku, I'll say that.
0: Yeah. Well, fortunately for our listeners, none of them have to worry about that because they all have Mark Andrews. Since we were hyping the crap out of Mark Andrews all off season, and he is dominating. Let's go Red Shirts podcast. All right. Done with that self shout out. <laughs> uh, before we get into the starts of the week bets. We got a bit of a sponsor. A bit of a sponsor? A big sponsor. That's
1: that's more like it. Our sponsor is the best. Confident to say that. Trophy Smack is the place to go. TrophySmack.com is the place to go for your fantasy football trophies, rings, belts. You name it, they have it. You can customize it. You can engrave it. You can get whatever you want on it. uh, Get your winning record or get the person in your league who came in last uh, which honestly, caught at this point in the listener league, could be me. Uh, <laughs> I don't know, man. I'm I'm fighting you pretty hard. Yeah, we're both struggling. Uh, we need to take our own advice more often. Uh, o and two for both of us. You can get the lo- the loser of the league a uh, a toilet bowl trophy or something of that nature. They've got it all. I mean, this place the quality of the the trophies is just fantastic. So go check them out when you get there, and you want to buy one of these things. Use the code red shirts. You get a free ring with your purchase. So. Obviously, it's a little early in the year to start thinking about that championship. But, hey, it's never too early to uh, call your shot. Right, Okada?
0: Oh, yeah. All right. Let's get into the starts of the week, Bex. Bex? (laughs) That's not my name. (laughs) Whatever your name is. It's week three starts of the week time. So let's start at the quarterback position, as we always do. This is the guy you're rolling out that maybe not everyone is necessarily going to or would think they should. Who's your start of the week, bets? I'm starting this
1: guy in three leagues. It is Josh Allen going up against mm. the Cincinnati Bengals who are struggling, to say the least, uh, when it comes to defending quarterbacks. Week one, Russell Wilson had a nice week. 16.2 points, not amazing. But in week two, Jimmy Garoppolo, who, as of three weeks ago in the preseason, looked horrific, put up 23 fantasy points this past Sunday. The defense is giving up 10.3 yards per attempt. That is thirtieth in the NFL. In other words, wow, wow, terrible. <laughs> uh, I think Josh Allen, who you know has one of the biggest arms in the league, can capitalize on that terrible yards per attempt that the defense is giving up. Throw a few deep balls, hopefully to John Brown, who I like a lot this week, and of course, you know he's always adding that extra value with his legs, scoring a rushing touchdown in each of the first two weeks. And it's this to me is not a fluke. Like you know, a, a couple of years ago, Deshaun Watson, if you remember, on that Thursday night football game juked out like nine defenders and somehow ran it in from 50 yards out his runs are coming in the red zone so this is part of the plan now you have devin singletary dealing with the hamstring injury who i don't think is going to play um i think that's something you can rely on again the rushing ability of josh allen provides such a safe floor that anything he does through the air is a bonus so josh allen for me is a locked QB1 this week.
0: I mean, this is really convenient for us, bets because we lose Cam Newton and basically get Cam Newton 2.0. Pretty much. In Josh Allen. So we don't even have to worry about it. Just whatever you think or thought of Cam Newton, wherever you would have put him in your lineups, just do the same thing with Josh Allen. Because at this point, that's what he is. He's probably the best threat in the NFL to score a rushing touchdown each week at this point from that position. So I love it. Uh, I'm going with a quarterback bets that has been doo doo for a little while now. It's Matthew Stafford. I feel like this is one of the least mentioned fantasy names of the last couple years because we used to think highly of him when all that the Lions would do would th- be to throw it 700 yards a game, 60 times a game, and Stafford was viable for fantasy. And then that kind of fell off a cliff. Well, he's been he's been decent. He's been solid this year so far. He's been so decent. <laughs> um, I'm not I'm not going to say incredible because last week was more of a a good game than a great game. Week 1, I'll bite with some overtime stats. He had 385 yards and 3 touchdowns. So that was pretty nice. Week 2, 245, two touchdowns and two picks. So not quite as good. However, that was against the Chargers defense, which I think is a strong defense. Week 3, He's going up against the Philadelphia Eagles bets. I've heard of them. And yes. As much as, you know, uh, you are my friend and I don't want to offend you, the Eagles secondary is not the best right now. They are not um, they are not
1: the best. They are close they're, they're they're closer to 32 than one, I'll say that as far as their yes, secondary. That
0: that is accurate. Um possibly 30th best. <laughs> That's the closest they get to best. Uh yeah, they're not they're struggling. Um but the offense is still good enough to put up points. So this, the Eagles' defense for me is going to be one that is going to be a decent target for quarterbacks and receivers for the foreseeable future. So with Matthew Stafford going into Philly, I think this is a game where they're not going to be able to just rely on on Johnson for 30 carries all game long and come away with the win. I think that Stafford's going to have to do a bit of throwing, maybe pull off one of his patented Stafford comebacks, And I think you'll get a a close to 300-yard, 2-3 to touchdown game, potentially, uh, with some garbage time stats. And that is very, very startable for fantasy. So he's my start of the week.
1: Yeah, I I can't argue. I mean, the matchup is definitely a positive one for the quarterback and receivers. Sunday Night Football, they know they can't defend the pass right now because they tried to sit back in coverage. Calvin Ridley burnt them deep. Uh, and so in the second half, Jim Schwartz said, okay, I'm going to blitz you on every single play, and then, of course, Matt Ryan changes the play, and we know what happens with Julio. Uh, so I-, I do think that they know they can't stop the pass. Uh, Russell Douglas is getting burned left and right, and I think this is a great game for Kenny Galladay. I think this is a great game for Matthew Stafford, so I can't argue with you at all.
0: Alrighty, let's move over to running back bets. You have a uh, a rookie who's been... I don't know. You, you can give me your adjective for what he's been so far, but you apparently you're excited enough about this week to start him. Who is it? My adjective for David Montgomery is he has been he has been okay. Okay, <laughs> week one. See that I didn't really
1: know. It was like kind of up and down. Yeah, week one. I'll I'll change my adjective. It was quite poor, uh, but not his fault. Just six attempts playing against a very very good and honestly I think entering the year underrated Green Bay defense who has been awesome so far. Week two, you know, they go back. They say, okay, let's watch the tape. Let's see where we succeeded and where we failed. David Montgomery is something that's a bright spot in this offense. 18 carries in week two. So finally gets the workload we've been wanting him to get. Finds the end zone. And the thing that I love most about looking back at this game, Mike Davis got just three carries in week two. So that was part of my concern with Montgomery this season. That's kind of put to bed at this point. I think they know Montgomery is the most elusive Uh, and best option there in the backfield. Now he gets to go up against Washington on Monday Night Football, who are allowing 168 rush yards per game through the first two weeks. Second worst in the NFL, or 31st best, only behind the Miami Dolphins. So the matchup is delicious. They are going to be in a positive game script. I think they're going to beat Washington easily. Going up against the defense, giving up 5.2 yards per attempt. Yep, I will start that running back.
0: Yeah, that sounds decent to me, and I like it because I've been wanting a good place to start Montgomery since I was excited about him for fantasy coming in, and this seems like like it could be the the breakout. Could have a nice, solid game here, so I like it. Uh, I'm going with a veteran fellow, quite the opposite of David Montgomery, and that's going to be Mark Ingram versus the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, Ingram has had a pretty good start to the year, certainly a great week one. Versus Miami, so, you know, got to take that with a grain of salt because the Dolphins are complete trash. But he had 107 yards and two touchdowns in that game. Not quite as strong against the Cardinals in Week 2, but still 77 scrimmage yards. So I think, listen, this is going to be a game where the Ravens are going to try their absolute hardest to keep Patrick Mahomes off the field because that is going to be the only way to beat the Chiefs. If you, uh, The Ravens' offense has been very surprisingly good and they will put up points but if you let Patrick Mahomes get on the field he's going to score points so you just have to keep him off as long as possible and the best way to do that is to run the ball successfully which they are good at so I think that means Mark Ingram gets a heavy dose of work and the Chiefs have not been great so far their defense in general is not great but They've given up a 99 rushing yard game to Josh Jacobs. They gave up 94 total yards to Leonard Fournette, uh, including 66 on the ground. So they they can be exploited, and Mark Ingram is good enough, and this offense and the scheme is good enough that I believe they will successfully run the ball against the Chiefs and do so as much as possible. So we both liked Ingram coming in. I like him in this game. I think he could easily touch the 20 uh, carry mark or so and get a touchdown. I think this will be more of a shootout than you will typically get in a Ravens game.
1: Yeah, Mark Ingram, third straight week as either your or my start of the week. So uh, we've been on him keep it going. all season. Yeah, keep it going. Um, the matchup is definitely good in the right setting. And like you said, if they run the ball enough to keep the ball out of Patrick Mahomes' hands, I think this works. But if it gets into a shootout, despite what I've seen from Lamar Jackson, I would be a little worried about what happens there. I I do think he has a very nice first half. If they can get that game script going the way they want it, I think Ingram is in for a big week. I just worry if
0: it does go to a shootout, Mahomes is going to light it up. He certainly is. That's kind of what he does. All right. Every week. Yep. Let's bounce over to wide receiver, Betts. Uh, Kick us off with your guy first.
1: All right. So wide receiver, I am going... Back to an offense that I was a little bit worried about last week. And I told people, I'm sitting Kyler Murray. And he said, nope, you put me in your lineup right now. Because I'm going to do it every single week. (laughs) Made you so happy. I'm taking one of his receivers this week. It's Christian Kirk. I love this guy against Carolina. Um, The team is 13th in the NFL in terms of pass attempts uh, through two weeks. That's totally wrong. I just read the wrong stat. Let's redo this. All right, fair enough. Uh, The wide receivers are 13th in the NFL in targets through two weeks. Arizona leading the NFL in pass attempts per game through two weeks. So you have to love a player that's 13th in the NFL in in targets, uh, playing 82% of the snaps from the slot. So if you're worried about the matchup with James Bradbury, I would not be because that's not usually where he plays on defense for Carolina. So I think this is a great matchup for Kirk out of the slot. The targets are going to be there. I think the offense is going to keep producing, they're going to keep throwing the ball um tons of pass attempts this year. So, I love the volume. I think Christian Kirk is in for another very solid wide receiver two week. This week against Carolina, I've got him in a couple places and I'm starting
0: him with confidence. I don't hate it. Uh anything that makes Kyler Murray look good or sound good is good with me as you all know. Uh all right, here here's my wide receiver start of the week bets. It's going to be it's going to be an interesting one. It's Nelson Aguilar Ooh. of your Philadelphia Sneaky. Eagles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, there are two things we know about Nelson Aguilar. One, he can be quite good when he wants to, and especially when there's no one else there. When Alshon Jeffrey's been out, he's been very good. This week, it looks like, uh, I don't know, Betts, is everyone going to be out? Can you give us the quick summary here?
1: Yes, they're all going to be out. Dallas Dallas Goddard, okay. Al, Alshon Jeffrey, Calf out. Deshaun Jackson, groin slash abdominal strain, out.
0: Okay, so that leaves Nelson Aguilar on the outside and Zach Ertz. And Aguilar, like I said, he can be good when called upon. Uh, We saw that in week two against the Falcons. He got targeted 11 times because everyone who wasn't already injured for the Eagles got injured at some point in the game, and he was the only guy left. Eight catches for 107 yards and a touchdown. The other thing we know about Nelson Aguilar is he makes some bad drops. Oh, my Lord. That will, yeah, I know. You don't like Dude, it. But, wide open on the sideline. <laughs> that, was the that was the game. He struggles. Uh, he struggles. But uh, all that means is if he had caught the ball that is very catchable, he would have an even better stat line than you see here. So he can definitely produce. He may drop a ball or two, but he will also get plenty of targets enough that the one or two drops won't matter for his fantasy line. Listen, the, it might hurt the Eagles, but the fantasy points do not count negative points for drops, unless you live in a very strange fantasy league that does. Uh, even if you did, I would still start Nelson Aguilar. <laughs> He's going to get easily 10-plus targets. They, I, I, I picked Matthew Stafford as my QB start of the week, because I think this is going to be a bit of an offensive back-and-forth quarterback and passing-heavy game, and I think that Aguilar will be the guy for the Eagles. So I'm very willing to, to run him out there as a wide receiver, too, even in PPR. Wide
1: receiver two this week. Mm, let's go, Betts. Uh Let's play a quick name game. Ooh, all right. Uh, your love, also my love, Mike Williams or Nelson Aguilar.
0: Nelson Aguilar. In PPR in or in PPR. half? Because we're normally talking. Okay, full Nelson Aguilar for sure. Half, also Nelson Aguilar. <laughs> my start of the week, <laughs> Christian Kirk or your start of the week.
1: Nelson Aguilar.
0: I mean, it's got to be my start with <laughs> Nelson Aguilar. I don't hate Christian Kirk, but uh, I'm taking Aguilar. All right, last. Give me a tougher one. Okay, Come on, uh,
1: Robert Woods or Nelson Aguilar?
0: Ooh, tough matchup against Cleveland. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, wow, this is tough. I'm gonna go ahead and say Nelson Aguilar wow. in full PPR bets. Yeah, because Robert Woods is he's always gonna be solid. But he's in that three-headed tandem where you never know which one's going to be the best one each week. And usually all three of them are going to produce to some level. But if he's not the number one this week, if it's Cup or Cooks, then he's going to be a little lower than Aguilar, who I see as the one for sure. So I think I'll just sneakily take Aglor. All right. You really like that start of the week, then? I do. That's why he's there. All right. Let's bounce over to the tight end position where Betts is finally going to pick a new player. Not really. Uh, well, yes, I am,
1: but <laughs> Mark Andrews is still my start of the week for the next 14 weeks. <laughs> oh, my God! Can we gosh. say
0: next, like, 30 weeks? I'd like to keep starting him until the end of time. I
1: will continue to do that. It'll be a year from now, and I'm still going to call him my start of the week. Uh, my real start of the week, because I can't keep doing that, is Darren Waller, who, through two weeks, has 15 targets, which, for tight end, is great, uh, this week it seems like a bit of a, a scary matchup on paper going up against Minnesota, but Darren Waller does enough in the short-to-intermediate passing game, which we know Derek Carr absolutely loves. And just <clears throat> and just two weeks ago, the team gave up nine receptions on nine targets for 77 yards to Austin Hooper. This week, Tyra Williams, like we already said at the top of the show, banged up, not going to be 100%. I think Xavier Rhodes is on Williams, leaving a lot of open field for Darren Waller. Uh, to do really well in PPR formats, especially with those short targets from Derek Carr. So with the tight end landscape the way it is, you could argue Darren Waller shouldn't even really make this list. I feel like he's a lock in your lineup every week. I'm still very confident starting him against Minnesota.
0: Yeah, uh, we talked a little bit coming into the season about Darren Waller and whether, whether we were ready to believe, and I was a little bit hesitant. The hesitancy is falling off pretty much at this point. He hasn't even... Uh, hit the ceiling that he can as a tight end for fantasy because he hasn't scored yet but his targets and catches have both kept him in productive fantasy range even without those touchdowns so once those start to hit as well he's going to be definitely viable uh, and startable every week um well you mentioned mark andrews bets mark andrews is one of the two tight ends in two weeks to torch the arizona cardinals Uh, he went off for eight catches, 112 yards and a touchdown. And the week before that, TJ Hawkinson, rookie tight end in his first NFL game, which we know what that usually means, went off for 131 and a touchdown. So until further notice, I'm going to be looking at the tight end facing the Arizona Cardinals in fantasy, and that's going to be Greg Olson this week. And is if that wasn't good enough, Greg Olson's coming off his second game with nine targets, his second game with four-plus catches. Last week it was six, and he had 110 yards last week against Tampa Bay. So, yes, please, all the signs pointing up here. Now, if Cam Newton doesn't start, it will be interesting to see what happens. Uh, the Panthers will likely have to turn to Kyle Allen probably, as the backup at this point. Um, and he's not very good, necessarily. <laughs> but Sorry, <Kyle. laughs> as Yeah. But as we've talked about, neither is Cam Newton. In fact, he looked terrible in the game that Greg Olson went off for 110 yards. So I think I'm still happy and willing to start Greg Olson with the, the defense that we've seen from the Cardinals against tight ends and with the resurgence we've seen cr- from Greg Olson this year. I'm okay running him out there even if it's not Cam Newton and maybe, who knows, it'll be better without Cam there. Maybe Kyle Allen can actually be more productive in general than Cam was as a passer and Greg Olson will actually go up in value. So I will run it, run him out there either way. Greg Olson is my start of the week.
1: Yeah, I don't know if I'm ready to say that it could get better for Greg Olson because I think last week was probably his ceiling for this stage of his career. But man, uh, he looked good. I actually have him in Scott Fishbowl by accident because I passed on court, on, a, on tight end way too much. Uh, and that was <laughs> fantastic. I went up against Kate uh, from the ball blast pod and destroyed her with Greg Olson. So uh, I love the start of the week. And I love every tight end playing the Cardinals. So I can't fault you there at all for wanting to start your your tight ends against them. They have just not been able to lock that position down. So until further notice... Start your tight end against the Cardinals.
0: All righty, bets. Last uh, positional group, I guess technically in this case for starts of the week, the defense and special teams. You are going with a surprisingly great defense. To most people, as you mentioned earlier, not to me because I knew they were going to be great, so why they're my Super Bowl pick? Who do you got?
1: That is the Green Bay Packers at home against the Joe Flacco-led Denver Broncos. Ah, not scary. <laughs> no. The defense has five takeaways through two weeks, which you like that turnover upside from your, your DST. Um, Joe Flacco yet to throw multiple touchdown passes in a game, yet to throw for 300 yards. They also can't run the ball effectively, just 92 rush yards per game. And according to PFF, the Denver O-line is ranked 30th in rim blocking efficiency through two weeks, 19th in pass blocking. So I think this you know, Green Bay defensive line can get through. They can get to Flacco, who is not mobile. I think they have a few sacks and a decent amount of potential for some takeaways here. So I love Green Bay in this matchup.
0: Yeah, uh, until further notice, I am all aboard with the Packers. Um, 2-0 and already under their new head coach. Tons of new defensive players slotted in, and I think that they are going to be very good on both sides of the ball. So I'm willing to start them against most anyone. This is an especially juicy matchup, so great call. Uh, I am going to take a defense that is not as good as the Packers, objectively. <laughs> that is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. That's right. I am I am starting the Buccaneers defense in fantasy, boys and girls. And it has nothing to do with the Buccaneers, to be quite honest. Although, they've been okay from a fantasy standpoint. Aren't they like a top uh, 10 four sacks. unit right now in fantasy? Yes, I believe so. The, the, that, that does come off of a uh, defensive pick six, yes. but... But they have four sacks over two games. They've got three takeaways over two games. So they can get some stuff done. But more importantly, it's Daniel Jones' Giants this week. It's his first NFL start. It's the complete lack of weapons that the Giants have. Like I said earlier, I do not think we see the preseason Daniel Jones right out the gate. I think he's going to have some issues and some mistakes and no one to bail him out. He does not have an Odell Beckham Jr. to bail him out. He does, I mean, Saquon will do his thing on the ground, but that I don't think that's going to be enough. I expect this to be a Buccaneers win by potentially quite a lot, and I think it's going to be a real ugly game, particularly for the Giants. So despite the fact that the Buccaneers defense is not good on paper, they are good for me for fantasy this week against Mr. First Start, Daniel Jones.
1: It just feels so dirty to put them in your lineup, doesn't it? Like It, it really does. It doesn't does. make sense. But through two weeks, they're solid, Uh, and it's another great matchup. So I still would probably try to find a better option if it was me personally in my redraft leagues. But in daily fantasy, I love that call. I I think there's still a a lot of people that are skeptical of what they've done so far on defense. Uh, But Daniel Jones, this is the test. Let's see Let's see what he does. So I love that call, especially in daily fantasy.
0: Yeah, and I think it's important to point out for the listeners, our starts of the week are kind of usually we, we try to pick borderline players or, in this case, defense slash special teams. They're not going to be like, oh, Juju Smith-Schuster and Todd Gurley. We should do that for um, now. We'd be, we would be so smart. We <laughs> would <laughs> love us. <laughs> yes, we would be right way more often, but that's not the point. The point is to find you guys uh, picks that you could potentially get either off waivers or play in DFS for cheap, or maybe they are usually on your bench, but you're will- You now you're willing to put them in because we're calling them out as good starts of the week. So for the most part, that's what you'll see, especially on the DSTs. We're going to try to target streamy type defenses that you can get uh, and plug into a matchup if your normal defense doesn't have a good one. So that's the starts of the week, bets. Uh, now we move to the sits of the week. It's less exciting, at least less, uh, less exciting for your fantasy starting lineup because the point is to get them out of it, which is, yeah, not good. Uh, we're, we're doing a new thing where we don't talk about tight ends or defenses because they are trash. So we got a quarterback, a running back, and a wide receiver, bets to sit this week. Let's start with your quarterback, who do you got?
1: Yeah, my guy that I'm going to leave on my bench this week is Andy Dalton, who has looked decent through two weeks, especially in that week one matchup against Seattle, uh, thanks to John Ross catching bombs every single, single game they have. Um, but a lot of his production came in garbage time last week, and I'm just worried about the matchup with Buffalo. They are giving up less than 200 pass yards per game, less than 100 y- rush yards per game, I worry that Joe Mixon still is not 100% coming off the an ankle injury. I don't know that the offense is going to be able to get in a situation where they can run a balanced approach and really you know, be able to control Buffalo from uh, their offensive standpoint. So I think Andy Dalton and the, the Cincinnati Bengals struggle a lot. I think John Ross probably comes back to earth in this one, going up against Tredavious White. Uh, I think there's turnover potential for Buffalo. We've certainly seen it before with Andy Dalton. I'm looking elsewhere this week, despite what I've seen through the first two games.
0: Yeah, I don't hate it. Um, I strongly uh, wish and hope that Tyler Boyd and the Bengals in general have an okay game because I have a lot of those pieces. In fact, if you all remember, what was my bold prediction that Andy Dalton would be a QB1, I believe? You did say that. Is he what would be I said? 12 Yeah. So I-, I wanted to continue it, but against this Buffalo defense and the defensive players you just talked about, it's going to be tough. So I think this is a solid sit of the week. Uh, my set of the week bets is a slightly more high profile. It's Baker Mayfield. Spicy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ew. Listen, guys, Baker has not looked good. No, he is not. I don't know what to tell you. His, you look at his stats and you think, oh, 285 yards, 325 yards. He's putting out the yardage. He has a touchdown in each game. It's not terrible. Except he also has thrown four picks over those two games. And if you just watch what's been happening, it's been bad. And also, 89 yards and a touchdown of those Week 2 numbers were Odell Beckham Jr. derping on the Jets' defense on a simple slant route. So, I still hope that Baker's great. I still believe that he can be great. But right now, he's not playing very well. And he comes up in this in this week's matchup on Sunday Night Football against the Los Angeles Rams defense, which has been very good, obviously for quite some time now. Uh, they, they, uh, I'm trying to think of a, uh, uh listener-friendly way of saying this, Bets pooped all over (laughs) the quarterbacks they have faced in the first two weeks. Granted, they faced three different quarterbacks in some way or another last week against the Saints, but none of them did well. Cam Newton was also awful against the Rams in week one. It's a good defense. The Rams are a great team. They are, in my opinion... Right up there with the Packers as the, the the best shots I think to make the Super Bowl from the NFC. They look just as good as they did last year, maybe even better on the defensive side of the ball somehow. So far, still got Aaron Donald, and that Browns offensive line is struggling. One of the reasons Baker looks bad is because he is not getting time. He is getting pressured willy nilly. So this is all the the ingredients here are coming together into a smoothie of ugliness for Baker Mayfield. And I would like to sit him if, if you can. Now, I know you probably invested pretty high draft pick in him, and I don't know who your backup is, but there's probably a good number of streamers I'd be willing to start, including both of our starts of the week uh, over Baker this week. So, listen, you're going to be starting him most of the season, but I think this might be a week in which you want to sit him down. Are you willing to uh, are you willing to agree with this, Betts, or you think I'm crazy?
1: No, I agree with your take. I, I mean... I was watching Monday Night Football thinking the exact same thing. Like, he doesn't look himself. He doesn't have time. I think he's trying to force it down the field too much. And Freddie Kitchens came out after the after the game saying, you know, Baker just needs to play uh, quicker, be more simple with his decision-making, not try to go for the home run. I think they see what happened with that OBJ slant and say, okay, let's just get our playmakers the ball. And Jarvis Landry is being criminally underutilized. I don't think we were high on him this season. Uh, as much as we were previously but they barely even give him the ball get this guy his playmakers give him the ball quickly save baker mayfield because like you said that offensive line is not looking good um i i think i'm okay rolling him out there however i have really tempered expectations with baker this week certainly i agree with you our starts of the week i would play over him but if you can't find a better option i wouldn't fault you for playing him
0: all right let's move on from that heat and Switch over to running back bets. Oh wait, you're bringing the heat. Also, what is this hit of the week? We just talked about
1: how excited I am for Carryon Johnson, but going up against the Eagles, who we talked, you know, talked about with Matthew Stafford, they give it up through the air. They do not give it up on the ground. And I talked about it with Carryon Johnson how uh, they like Ty Johnson. I don't think they give Carryon more passing work, unfortunately. And when you consider that, he has to get it done on the ground. The offense in general, you know, their philosophy, they've been reluctant to give carry on more work going forward. The defense giving up just 42.5 rush yards per game through two weeks, absolutely dominating. I like carry on I want him to do more. But in a terrible matchup with a change in the backfield where I want to see it first to really trust what's going to happen, I want to see the offense give him more work. I don't don't know if they do that yet. So for this week, if I can find a way to keep on Johnson on my bench, I would do so. The Eagles are elite against the run.
0: Ouch, that is rough for all of our Carryon excitement bets. Um, but I do not disagree. As good as the Eagles are, or as bad as the Eagles are against the pass, they are that good against the run, uh, which is one of the reasons I like I like Stafford because the way to win against this team is not to run down their throats it's to hit that secondary as much as you can, so I don't hate the call, although it makes me sad. Um, I am going to go for my set of the week at the running back position best with all the Chiefs running backs. Uh, So whichever one you have that you were hoping you could start, be it Damian Williams or LaShawn McCoy, probably. Sit them, sit all of them, sit any of them. No thank you. Back away. Listen, unfortunately, so far this season... LaShawn McCoy has gotten just as much work as Damian Williams, for the most part. Um, Neither of them has been superb, necessarily, with their work. Uh, Damian has gotten the one touchdown, but it's been a little bit messy. And to uh, over a very small two-week sample size, to Kent's credit, Andy Reid seems to be finally considering more of a committee approach than he normally does. We will see how long this lasts. Lashawn well, McCoy is old and gets hurt a lot, so I still have hope for Damien. It's not like I'm dropping these guys. However, for now, I am very concerned about starting them in a given week, and this week is an absolute no-no because they are going up against the Baltimore Ravens. And oh my goodness gracious, is the Ravens' defense smothering running backs? Uh, a David Johnson had 14 yards, not rushing total, 14 yards. Against the Ravens defense. And none of the Dolphins did anything. So it is not pretty. Uh, the Ravens defense, despite the fact that they lost a lot of pieces, is still playing very, very well. And it helps when your offense is playing as well as the Ravens' is, is. I think I uh, thought of that. <laughs> yes. Now, this in this game, the Chiefs will be keeping up, hopefully, or likely, with the Ravens more than the last two teams they've played. But... I honestly do not know if it matters too much. I think that this is going to be a Patrick Mahomes versus Lamar Jackson game uh, with Mark Ingram getting as much work as possible, as I mentioned before, to keep Mahomes off the field. But I'm not willing to run out any of these Chiefs who were still unsure which one would be even the guy to run out if they were facing a bad defense against this elite defense. So no thank you. Set them all.
1: What if... Lashawn McCoy or Williams is out would you play Darwin Thompson Ooh. given his pass catching ability
0: can I just play the other one of those two if only one of them is out or is this if both of them are out
1: if either one is out because I I don't well I shouldn't say that I'm not confident that both of them play I think one of them will sit Lashawn McCoy practiced today on Wednesday Damian Williams did not so if Williams sits would you play Darwin Thompson
0: um probably not <laughs> I would consider it mildly, but unless it's a deep, deep league uh, with a PPR threat like three flexes and you can hope to get four or five catches out of Darwin and that'll be enough, it's kind of worth considering, but for the most part, no. I would rather sit every single piece of this backfield. All right, fair enough. Uh, all right, let's close it out, Betts. The wide receiver position, you are going with a guy who has surprised, I think, and been very impressive. Um He's also very scary.
1: Yeah, scary Terry. Terry McLaurin, rookie wide receiver for the Washington Redskins, has looked really good through two weeks. Like you said, surprised a lot of people. Um I certainly liked his college tape. I didn't think he would do this through two weeks. But he's looked great. He's the wide receiver nine right now in fantasy and half PPR. But he plays at home against the Bears, On Monday Night Football.
0: Ah, Bears, so scary, even scarier than Terry. (laughs) So, so scary, Bears. Uh,
1: And how has the wide receiver ones done so far against the Bears? Devonta Adams, 4 for 36. And I put Cortland Sutton here in my research because uh, Emmanuel Sanders has done well. However, he plays out of the slot mostly. And Cortland Sutton went 4 for 40 last week. So, I mean, you might be excited about Terry McLaurin, and, and rightly so. But this is not the week. Just keep him in your lineup. I think you have to look at other options this week. I think you have to keep him on your bench. Keep him. Don't drop him. But keep him and, and wait and see kind of what he does this week. If he goes off for three weeks in a row, then I'm done telling you to sit this guy because what he's done so far has been pretty amazing.
0: Yeah, this will be honestly a great test for the Case Keenum and Terry McLaurin that we have seen so far this season because – Despite the fact that I liked Terry and drafted Case in a couple places, including the Scott Fishbowl, I did not expect this from either of them. Uh, so the excellent vaunted Bears defense will maybe tell us a little bit more about that duo than what we've been told so far. So I'm really excited for this, but I don't hate the sit. Um, I'm going to go with the guy bets. I believe I also chose in week one. It's hard to remember because that was so long ago but it's Jarvis Landry of the Cleveland Browns and the main reason I'm putting him in here besides the fact that it's a uh a sit stack can we have a sit stack uh
1: i think you had one last week didn't you or maybe it was a start stack
0: yeah it was a start it was, i think it was a start sit stack cuz it was like running back defense yes, last yes, week right. this is a sit stack because it's baker and landry but the, the the other and main reason that i put him in here is my sit of the week bets is because I think until further notice, he is a sit of the year. I don't think you can you can trust Jarvis Landry as a starter in your lineup until we see something change in Cleveland. Um, he's had seven targets through each of the first two games, but only four catches in week one and three catches in week two. Uh, 32 yards last week in a game where they had to throw the ball. And uh, I... I didn't like him coming into the year, but this is, I think, even a little less productive than I would have expected so far through through two weeks. So I'm not excited at all to bring out Jarvis Landry in fantasy. Like I mentioned with Baker, the Rams' defense has been extremely good. I think this is going to be a game where they get after Baker and make this a hot mess for the Browns in general, and that makes me concerned about any of the Browns' pass catchers as well as their passer. Obviously, I'm still going to run Odell out there because he's Odell. But Jarvis is no longer the Jarvis that we remember from Miami. And until we see something change, and it might have to be two or three weeks of change, I'm going to be sitting Jarvis Landry for the foreseeable future.
1: Yeah, at this point, you have to see it first. You can't just keep going on his name value. He has done nothing so far through two weeks. I agree with you. Let's make him show us really what he can do in this offense. And if they change their philosophy, which they're talking about doing, getting the ball out of Baker's hands, more quickly, than yes, he could have some value late in the year. But
0: I agree. Until you see it, you have to keep him on the bench. All righty. That is it for Starts and Sits Bets. We have a mailbag. Now, let's talk about the mail. Can we talk about the mail, please, Mac? I've been dying to talk about the mail for you all day, okay? All right. We love getting these questions from you guys, so we are going to chug through a few uh, awesome questions from the listeners and see what kind of answers we can get. So, one-a-lap... Is this the same guy that I said wrong last week, Betts? (laughs) O'Neal AP on Instagram. (laughs) Yeah, 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 that. (laughs) I'm still calling him one a lap. lap. I don't buy this O'Neal AP thing. One a lap from Instagram coming in with another hot one. Uh, Need two for the flex in half PPR. Mostert, ah, Colonel Mostert. Uh, Randall Cobb, AJ Brown, DJ Chark, Curtis Samuel, and Chris Conley. Two in half PPR. Does anyone stand out to you immediately? Bets.
1: Yes, I'm. I'm going to sit. Well, I should say this to take the, the opportunity away from the other guys. I'm going to sit AJ Brown, Chark, and Conley. I don't feel great about that offense. uh yep. Battle back and forth on Thursday Night at Football. I think the over under is at like 39 or something. So it's it should be ugly. You. Um, so that leaves us Mostert, Cobb, and Curtis Samuel. And I think Mostert is a lock in your lineup. The. The Niners, as much as you know, Matt Breda is productive and great, they don't want to make him a full bell cow. So most of it's going to get work, at least double-digit touches. I like him behind a great offensive line. And I think the other one for me, it sounds weird to say, but I'm going to go Randall Cobb over Curtis Samuel as the Cowboys Ooh. get the uh, NCAA-level defense of the Miami <laughs> Dolphins.
0: Wow. Harsh, but true. Is it wrong? Um, No, it is not wrong. <laughs> Uh, I also I, I had the same start to your answer, which is Mostert is the lock. I actually picked him up in the 20-team NFL Research League that I'm in. It is a hot mess on those waiver wires. But I grabbed Mostert last week, started him, and rode him to a 2-0 and uh, start to the season. So, loving Mostert. I'm going to lean Curtis Samuel here. Um, I think that the Panthers are going to have to pass to keep up with the Cardinals passing. And I think that despite the fact that Gallup is going to be out, correct? Or we don't? Ex-
1: no, he is. He actually underwent surgery uh, okay. to address the torn meniscus, yeah, yeah, yeah. so he's out
0: for a couple of weeks. All right. So despite the fact that that probably gets a few more targets for the foreseeable future, I think that because they're playing that NCAA defense, they're going to be able to ride Zeke and maybe even Pollard quite a bit in this game, and won't need to pass quite as much. Whereas I think Curtis Samuel and the Panthers will see more uh, pass attempts and targets, so I'm gonna lean slightly towards Curtis, but it's almost a toss-up, so I don't mind your cop call. Uh, next question comes in from Water Polo Player Twelve. What do I do with Duke Johnson? Question mark. Also, is Marvin Jones worth dropping from my roster? And <laughs> starter said <set> Evan Ingram versus <laughs> Mark Andrews. So let's take this one by one. That's quick-hitting answers. What do I do with Duke Johnson? Go stash him, but you can't play him. Yeah, I'm going to agree with that one. Uh, Also, is Marvin Jones worth dropping from my roster? (sighs) That's tough. I, I mean, certainly if there's someone else out there that's
1: worth a pickup that, you know, has been producing each week, maybe like Terry McLaurin or John Ross, yes, he is. But you have to make sure it's worth it in terms of what you're going to get.
0: Yeah, if either of those names were there, I would like both of those. i like those calls. But otherwise, I think I'm probably going to try to hold on to Marvin Jones, especially in this matchup against the Eagles where Stafford is my start of the week. See what he does here. If it's a complete dud, then maybe it's time to drop. And finally, a hugely difficult question, Betts. Start or sit Evan Ingram versus Mark Andrews. Basically two of the best tight ends of the year so far. Uh, Who do the Giants have this week? The Giants have the Buccaneers. Oh, right, your, your
1: defense of the week. Uh, Indeed. Don't sit either. You've got to play both these guys. Figure out a way to get one of them mm. into your
0: flex. Ooh, I love that answer. Uh, I was going to go Evan Ingram because he's actually my tight end one on the week. Uh, so I would start him over literally everyone. But I his answer is better. If you can get Mark Andrews into your flex and increment your tight end position, do it. Um, all right, this one comes in from at FF underscore prophecy. What is your opinion on an offer of Mark Andrews for Miles Sanders straight up? Uh, bets. I will take this one first because it's a very difficult question to answer without the rest of the roster details, i.e. who is the tight end for Miles Sanders' team right now. However, unless you've got a top three tight end on that Miles Sanders team, I would rather have the Mark Andrews side here.
1: Yeah, I would agree. It, it depends on who your tight end is, um, but yeah, I mean, how can you, how can you not want Mark Mark Andrews on your team right now? I love the idea of Miles Sanders, but it's it's going to be a few weeks before he really is the running back you want him to be. Uh, I've got to go with Mark Andrews in this situation. He's done too much to not have him on your roster.
0: Yep, 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 yep. All right, this one comes in from Giants ninety nine Shay. Trade Freeman. Now, he does not specify Royce or Devontae, but I'm going to say that it is Devontae. I would assume
1: Devontae as well.
0: Because of the rest of the question, which says, trade Devontae Freeman for Fournette, straight up, half PPR. Fournette side wins, right? Question uh, mark. Devontae
1: Freeman, there's better days ahead for Freeman. But yes, I think the Leonard Fournette side wins this trade because the volume has been there for the first two weeks. I don't see how that changes. The team wants to go through Fournette. I think the team in theory wants to go through Freeman, but Ido Smith is getting too much work to provide the upside that I think Freeman once had. So I would take Fournette in this situation.
0: Yeah, Freeman is definitely a buy for me right now if you can, but the ability to get Fournette for Freeman is an uptick in value. So I don't know how you're pulling that off, but I think that I would definitely take the Fournette side as well. Uh, At Chin X Drugsy, or Chin X Drugsy, <laughs> I don't really I'm know. I Drugs uh, with a Z. What do you think about starting Nelson Aguilar? Whoa! I have Montgomery in the flex. All right, Bets, this is a battle because he picked two of our starts of the week. Who do we think is the better flex? If this is full PPR,
1: go Nelson Aguilar. If this is half or standard, David Montgomery.
0: I will say if it is full or half, go Aguilar. And if it is standard, go Montgomery. Well, hopefully it's a standard. (laughs) Yes, or full, because we have the same answer either way. But if it's half, then you're screwed. That's true. All right, last question. Fantasy underscore football underscore lover. Great handle. I think we can all get on board with that. Can you please pick five? Oh, my goodness. I'm struggling. Full PPR 2QB dynasty. Okay. I'm not entirely sure if this is just for your team in general or this week, but let's read through the names this week. All right. John Brown, Delaney Walker, TJ Hawkinson, DD Westbrook, Emmanuel Sanders, Trey Quinn, Dante Moncrief, Frank Gore, and Willie Sneed. We have to pick five bets. Oh, pick five. Okay. One, two, three, four, five. So we can both agree on John Brown. I think it's the first five names. Yeah, it's definitely John Brown. I think it's... It's definitely Delaney Walker. Yes. Sanders. Then it, Yep, Sanders has been great. Can't deny it. That's so three. Uh, nope. Moncrief, not very interested. One big thing we didn't mention in the Mason Rudolph chat is that he and James Washington went to the same school in college and were basically best buds. So there's a chance that we see James Washington take an uptick for the Steelers moving forward. Um, what about Frank Gore? Wow. He's gonna, you know he's what?
1: to get work against a Cincinnati defense that is not good on the ground. Devin Singletary hamstring strain. I don't think he plays this week. So Frank Gore could be in line for twenty touches.
0: Yeah, I think I'm actually starting Frank Gore in the Scott Fishbowl. So I'm gonna go ahead and say I'm on board with that bets. I think it's Frank Gore, John Brown, Delaney Walker, Emmanuel Sanders, and then we got T.J. Dede or Trey Quinn.
1: Ooh, oh, this is tough. <laughs> I, I don't want DD, he hasn't done anything with Gardner Minshew, I think Hawkinson might be the play, uh, Trey, wow. Quinn, Trey Quinn gets the Bears TJ Hawkinson gets the Eagles who have struggled through the air, so yeah give me yeah. give me the double tight end stack
0: that's, that's. I think I'm going to have to agree with you I'm going to go with my Matt Stafford QB start of the week again and pick another one of his receivers and, and stick with TJ so I like it, there you go hopefully you got all the names there, it was a bit convoluted Um, But that's it for the uh, Thursday release podcast. Thank you guys for listening. Welcome to week three. Uh, Hopefully, right after you guys listen to this, you get to watch an epic Titans-Jags Thursday night football game, which has all the uh, signs of being awful, except that last year we saw Derrick Henry do his thing. Oh, that
1: was the four-touchdown game. No,
0: do his thing. The 99-yard rush. Oh, my goodness. Let's get another one of those. Uh, but until Friday, when you get the Patreon pod, if you are a Patreon subscriber, which you should be, uh, we will say goodbye. And if you do not listen to the Patreon pod, shame on you, but we will see you next week. Uh, until then we are the red shirts.